Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me again today. This is Diego Ochoa. I'm superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I'm with you for the inauguration of season two of SMFC podcast. Give me a round of applause, everybody. Season two is going to operate in a new way. Um, We're really excited about season two. We're jumping in on a couple of ideas, and we're actually going to come up with um, multiple uh, podcast sessions related to the same theme. So today's theme and our kickoff for season two is the theme of warm demands, the theme of establishing a culture where we make warm demands to our families in the San Mateo Foster City School District. As a superintendent, I'm really excited to lead this work, and I can tell you all I will not be doing it on my own. <laughs> so I have some some people that are here with me, some wonderful people who work on behalf of our students. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with my colleague to my right. All right. Hello. My name is Robin Lovell. I am a math teacher on special assignment. I work at San Mateo Park School as well as Fiesta Gardens. Hello, everybody. I am Pam Bartfield. I am the Director of Curriculum Instruction, supporting our elementary schools um, this school year. Previously, I've been supporting our middle schools. Hi there. My name is Amy Burke, and I am a teacher on special assignment focused on mathematics here at the district office. Something that's really important for parents and our audience to understand is the work flow with our teachers on special assignment and our directors of curriculum and instruction and what their work actually means for your children in school. So much like um, you can think of a, um, a regional approach to managing a business, you would say, um, I have 12 business locations. We need support for those business locations to really understand the policies and the procedures and the strategies that we want to use. And our infrastructure in the district, it kind of operates like that. We have, as you know, 21 schools. So we want to make sure that our literally hundreds of teachers are given the right support to know what to do with our new curriculum. Um, When the pandemic um, was about halfway through the process, we initiated a new math curriculum. This was Zern Math at the elementary level and uh, Math Nation at the middle school level. And I want to give Robin and Amy an opportunity to talk a little bit about that process of just starting something that was so brand new. What, Robin, kind of got your attention back then? What was so new about that type of curriculum and instruction, and, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, great question. So when the pandemic began, we were really facing the problem of not having a curriculum that was easily adoptable to online learning. And teachers were having to download documents, tweak them, and then upload them again. And it just wasn't feasible or sustainable at the time. So we found a number of curricula and pulled together about 25 teachers. um, And we looked through a bunch of different curricula And our main criteria were, is it accessible to students, I think was first and foremost. Does it adapt to an online setting? Is it something that we can easily use to get the quality content to students? And does it address grade level content? Um, So we had teachers, I, I can't say we piloted it because we were not in school, but teachers vetted it, we tried it out, and we went through a pretty rigorous process and realized that Zern not only covered the grade level standards, it it basically met all of our criteria, 
And the way it's designed, it wasn't designed as an online curriculum, but it has two components. One component is teacher facilitated, and one component is online. So each day's math block consists of about a half hour of teacher facilitated interactive instruction and another half hour where students get their independent practice on the computer. So it worked really nicely for us. Back then we were wondering, like, what if teachers were to get sick? What if they can't teach? Well, so much changed during the pandemic. I mean, just the daily uh, practice of kids coming to school and teacher lesson, that all changed with the pandemic. It just became, we might be out for a month. We don't know when we're going to see the kids in person. We might only have half our kids when they come back. So the curriculum was really, as you said, adaptable to that. I've been in education for 23 years, and math had sort of, for my first 20 years, a very similar process, which was the teacher comes in, the teacher says, "Have take your seats, I'm going to give you three or four warm-up questions, that gives me time to take role and kind of do the just organizational work of everyday teaching, pass out papers, and now I'm going to present to you four problems, I'm going to show you how I do four problems, and then... We're going to do two problems together as a class, and then you have 30 minutes to continue the work yourself. And almost every classroom, regardless of what district or city or, or even region of California, math kind of looked like that. And Zern Math and Math Nation take that all away. It's about decision-making, thinking. Amy, I want to turn to you. I want you to talk a little bit about what you feel like are the best parts of our new curriculum in terms of creating math learners. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited about the curriculum that we have uh, in place now at elementary and at middle school. Both of them provide opportunities every day in class for our students to be interacting with multiple modalities, which means that like every single day, we do have this expectations that our students are interacting with their peers and the mathematics at the same time, right? Math is actually really social. And so um, our Zern curriculum allows for spaces for students to turn and share their thinking with someone else and to learn from someone else's thinking as well. So um, Pam might have a different strategy for attacking a problem than Robin might have. And what um, both Zern and Math Nation does is it opens up opportunities for those students to share those ideas to each other. There is also still that um, space with both of our um, curricula that we're using, and this is why it's exciting, um, for the direct instruction that you were just describing. People learn differently, (laughs) and that's good. And we actually want every one of our students to have multiple opportunities within a class period, over the week, um, over the month, to learn in different ways and to go deeper every time. So um, in Zern, that um, online component that Robin was describing, it does have individual practice with feedback about how you're doing, and it has a portion where there is um, a teacher, a math teacher, talking you through the lesson. You know, our audience can't see this. But our two math toasts, their faces light up so much when they talk about the change because I think it's true that there's a place for direct instruction, like everybody learns differently. But what happens when you're 
when your only strategy is direct instruction is a lot of kids are silent, Mm -hmm. you know. 30, 40, 50% of the kids in the class, they don't raise their hand and ask for help. And the classrooms are actually really quiet. That was sort of like a hallmark of math classrooms. Like, all right, now quietly work, right? Go into our math classrooms district-wide. There's talking, there's engaging. That's actually helping them with their language skills and their writing skills. I was just in a classroom over at Abbott Middle School because I substituted there at the beginning of this Omicron surge. And I really connected with these sixth grade math students. So I, I just visited this morning and said, I'm going to go down and see my class. Mm-hmm. And the teacher uh, was just doing an amazing job. And she gave them a task where they had three different uh, task-oriented work to do, all in partners. And she, just the way she explained, when you finish task one, this is the strategy, this is the, the, the task you're going to do. You're going to move to task two. When I see you get to task three, that's my cue that you finished task one and task two. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to quiz you on what you did and why you did it. You know, in in middle school, let me jump ahead and get to the third question. No, work on the first couple of tasks. And then it just built that engagement and the connection to the work that the kids were doing. So I think the curriculum is also really inspiring our teachers to try different instructional strategies, different routines with their students. It's really exciting to see um, how it connects to the purpose of this second season and the whole theme of warm demands is that what we really want to do is we really want in the community to acknowledge that there are children arriving to our schools in different places and students coming to school with a lot of access to math and language experiences, put them in a position to be able to do work starting in kindergarten. So we have some kids who show up and they can read. They've actually learned their letter sounds and they can point out sight words. And we have other students who get to school and they can't name five letters, right? And so what this idea, this concept of being a warm demander is about challenging that reality and saying, we want to change that. So now we have this new math curriculum that's exciting. I've got my two math toses. They're jumping out of their chair talking about it. But what are my students doing at home? And that's where ST Math comes in because we're looking for a district-wide program that's research-based that will get kids excited about doing it's not like it's not remedial math, right? It's exciting fun math. Amy, talk for a minute about ST Math. I know we've used it to a certain extent. T- tell these parents what what is ST Math? Why is it good? There's so much to say. Um, let's see. Well, first, let me just you know, this is such a math geek thing. Let's start with the definition, right? Okay. ST Math is um, S and T are standing for spatial temporal. And this is a a web-based program that's designed for children to play games, mathematical games, that are um, starting visually. And it's going to um, present our uh, math concepts first visually and concretely and connect them to the symbolic as the students progress through the games. So this is sounding like I'm watching my child in my kitchen, for example, like you know, the school district has assigned kids Chromebooks throughout the district, and the school district has 
Wi-Fi hotspots for any family that needs one. So I'm I'm in my kitchen. I'm making dinner. My child is sitting there, and for 20 minutes, they're it looks like they're kind of playing a game. Is kind of how how it it kind of comes about. But Robin, it's so much more than that. Talk about what this program does for children who maybe don't speak English yet, children who have um, unique learning needs. Talk about ST Math and the way it's going to be accessible to all of our students. Common Core Standards define rigor as equal intensity doses of conceptual understanding, procedural fluency, and opportunities to apply what you know. Kids have ample opportunities in their classrooms to practice the procedural fluency. They have opportunities to apply. The conceptual development is a little bit harder, and it requires those conversations and the the tasks and opportunities to really grapple. And that's what ST Math goes after. It's a program that is completely visual. It's not based on language at all. In fact, there's very little formal English or any other spoken language. It's all visual and conceptual. And the kids, while they're playing the games, they make connections to mathematical content. And that's what's really exciting about it because they make those connections and then that transfers over to all of the other math that they're doing. Um, And of course, we want them to enjoy the game, and that's part of the appeal. But it's also a time for them to really struggle, to look at something, to make sense of it, and to be able to make those mathematical connections. Um, It isn't always intuitive. They have to observe. They have to try something. They have to watch the feedback. And they have to ask themselves questions. And that's how the program is designed. And like Amy said, it's 100% based on brain science. And I'm going to take this opportunity to insert a pun here. It's really only part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. You, mm-hmm. Feel free to laugh. I mean, the, <laughs> the microphones are on. Ha, 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 dad joke. So funny. The that other half funny. of the equation is reading. We have our, our district is making a lot of work this year in, in preparation for um, some intervention strategies some early reading intervention strategies. We have a few schools that are already starting that work. We have a bunch of of, uh, uh, staff members who have been to training this year to focus more on early literacy intervention, and we've got some work ahead of us. And a couple weeks ago, we we initiated a program called Footsteps to Brilliance. And Pam, I'm going to turn to you on this one. Talk to the families out there about Footsteps to Brilliance and why we're initiating in the district. Thank you. Um, I think... You know, when you started talking at the top of the podcast, you talked about being a warm demander. Um, I think that's a critical piece when we're when we're really thinking about how do we remove barriers for our kids? Um, how do we ensure that every single one of our students and every single one of even before they come to our school district that live in our community have access to high quality um you know, reading apps and, and games and songs. So when they even come to our school as TK or kindergarten, they, they've they had that access. And so, um, you know, you, I don't want to be a copycat and say I'm a warm demander. So I twist it and say I'm going to be lovingly relentless. <laughs> um, and and I, I think when I – for me, Footsteps of Brilliance um, and the project around this is probably – I've been in the school district – my whole career, so a little over 20 years, um, and I'm probably having the most fun with this. It is not only a fun literacy reading app, 
but it um, hits the what we know is behind the research that actually helps students learn how to read, no matter their you know socioeconomic background, no matter their language background. The greatest things for that I see in Footsteps of Brilliance is it doesn't require internet when you're using it at home. Um, you can use it in the car. You can use it when you're on a trip. Um, it also is a bilingual program. And for our Spanish-speaking families and for our English-speaking families, it's a the, probably the easiest transition. You could be in the middle of a book and say, well, I want to hear that in Spanish and click the little button. Or I want to go back and hear that in English. Click the little button. There's songs. There's games. There's books. I mean, it's just full of so many – and they're always building the program. So um, – it's a literacy app, it's a bilingual app, but it's it's a lot more than that too. And then it's about, I think, a connection to our data. You know, um, there's a heart and soul of being an educator. You know, I think all of us have this, this thing where we just feel like the work we do matters. You know, it's like it's really important work. So we, we have this heart for education and we love what we do. Um, and then you all have to remember... Um, an administrator, so it's always going to turn into a metric for me or a piece of data for me. Um, and and I look at data relentlessly, to borrow a term from you, um, which means every single day I am evaluating some piece of data that pertains to the San Mateo Foster City School District. And what I'm finding is that we have large groups of students starting very early in kindergarten who arrive to school and are not ready to read yet. Mm-hmm. And that large group somewhat stays the same. It's sort of over time we continue that group from kindergarten to first grade and from first grade to second grade. Initiating Footsteps of Brilliance is about changing that outcome. So the goal here is not to simply offer something to families. It's to expect that students do what is research-proven best for them to do. Districts all throughout the state who are succeeding in teaching kids to read at early um, stages are using programs like Footsteps of Brilliance, and kids are using it with fidelity. So what that means is we want these kids doing 90 minutes a week of Footsteps of Brilliance. On the ST math side, we want our littlest guys our kinder and first to do 60 minutes and everybody else 90 minutes a week. Now I'm going to situate that in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we're just coming out of the end of our surge for Omicron. Um, We don't want to overwhelm kids. You know, we don't want kids doing it for six hours a week. We want them to do it for 90 minutes a week each. And we think spread over multiple days that that's really doable. And what will happen if kids do this every single week is those students who usually remain one, two, and three years behind in reading will start to catch up. The combination of the additional time they're spending at home reading, but probably something more important will happen, and this goes back to our passion for the work, is it'll spark a belief in these kids that they can do it. Because there is nothing more defeating than being a third or fourth grader in a class where you don't know what's happening in the class because you can't read. Mm-hmm. And this is about changing that outcome. So we're actually initiating this with all of our preschools, all of our annex programs, district-wide. If you live in the city of San Mateo, 
If you live in the city of Foster City, you have access to this account. Your child could be six weeks old and you can sign up for this account. Mm -hmm. And what it'll allow you to do is it'll allow you to play nursery rhymes for your child and introduce um, picture matching games and um, books that are at your fingertip. A thousand books will be at your fingertips. Uh, and you don't need to use your data. Mm-hmm. It's all accessible without the use of data or Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I can track the data. So I will be looking every single week to see how my students in the district are using the program and reaching out to those families who need support so that their kids can access the program. And with time, we will see these achievement gaps start to close. And that's what's exciting about it. Before we, before we log off this call and, and this first episode of season two of the One SMFC podcast, Pam, give, give a closing message to the families out there. You've got 11,000 families who are going to hear this. What do you want them to take away from, from this initiation? What are we calling it? February is the month. El mes de amor. El mes de amor mm-hmm. de lectura. De lectura y matemáticas. And math. It's mm-hmm. the month to love, mm-hmm. ELA, and math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the most important thing around this rollout is that we care about every single one of our students in our community students that come to our school and students that are going to be prospective students in our school. While these are um, programs that are on the phone or on a screen, um, I think when you were sharing earlier, like imagine you're making dinner and your students using ST Math or Footsteps of Brilliance. And Amy, when you shared math is social, all of this is social. Um, It's not to you know, just put the the child on a screen on their own. It's to engage with them. I think you say um, it's lap time, not app time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a way to bring all of us together and um, really think about how do we, outside the school day, throughout the school year, every moment, um, have our students engage in some really high-quality um, learning. And there's so much more to talk about. This is just the first in five podcasts that we're going to record pertaining to ST Math and Footsteps of Brilliance. I'm just so thankful to the three of you for being with me here today. You guys are amazing. This is the beginning of something really special and awesome for our students in the San Mateo Foster City School District. And thank you all for sharing this time with me. 